everybody. Welcome to another edition of the One Million by One Million podcast. As you know, One Million by One Million is the first and only global virtual accelerator in the world. Our mission is to help a million entrepreneurs reach a million dollars and beyond in annual revenue. And in this edition, I'm speaking with Kara Weber of Brilliant Ventures. Welcome, Kara, to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's quite an honor. Well, let's get you acquainted with our audience. Tell us about yourself, a bit about your investing focus, how big is the fund, what kind of investments do you like to make. Let's just get acquainted. Absolutely. So I founded Brilliant Ventures a couple of years ago after a 20-plus year career as an entrepreneur and operator. I was one of the first women starting one of the first companies at the dawn of the Internet era and went on to run or lead six more startups in early and growth stage Internet-based and tech and data-enabled companies over the next couple of decades. Uh, of those seven companies, I, uh, four of them had exits. So I had a ton of experience as an entrepreneur and operator and in 2016 decided to apply that experience on the other side of the table as an investor. I specifically focus on the pre and pre-seed and seed stage of investing because I think this is really where my experience as an operator comes most powerfully to bear. I know when I see an entrepreneur who has that special something. I've been through it so many times personally, seen it, not seen it, uh, you know, had wonderful experiences, had horrible experiences along the way. So I really felt like when you're investing at the seed stage, it is so much about who that founder is, their drive, their motivation, their hunger, their intelligence, their passion, their EQ, their IQ, et cetera. So I found and did I hear you say pre-seed as well? Pre-seed as well, yes. Although okay. That's a, that's a pretty rare circumstance, I'll be honest with you, because we prefer to invest in companies who are post-revenue generally. So it's pretty okay. hard to be pre-seed and, and post-revenue. No, but that's not going to happen. It has happened. So when you say post-revenue, what is the revenue threshold where you like to engage? It isn't so much a, a number threshold. It's you have a product that is in market and that we can help you take that product more effectively and more fully and more scalably in market. Because the experience that, that we particularly bring... So $10,000 in revenue counts as revenue stage for you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. It's, really, it's really about... And listen, there have been situations where we have invested in companies that haven't actually started charging yet, but have proven to us that they have a passionate customer base that will pay. You know, okay. we, really, we feel like there's enough of evidence of product market fit for a clearly revenue-driving product or service that, you know, their customers will pay for it. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a flexible threshold, but... It's a, it's a specific one based on what we bring to bear for our companies. Got it. And uh, what size is the fund? It's a, it's a, well, actually, it's a, uh, it's a small fund. We focus on investing both. A, our check size is quite small. We write a $50,000 check, but we 
like to say that we punch well above the weight of our check size because our investment is not only our capital, but our expertise. And our founders and CEOs that we've invested in, I think, would, would firmly concur that that is what we offer. And what do you like to invest in? We invest in companies transforming the future of commerce, and those companies need to be led by brilliant, diverse leadership teams. When we say transforming the future of commerce, we are not only talking about brands and consumer products, although we have invested in several. We also invest in the companies who are driving the future of commerce sort of from the, you know, behind the scenes, the, the technologies and software and, and to some extent services that are supporting, that are technology and data enabled and supporting the growth of commerce. So a great example would be Happy Returns, which is a company that offers services, software, and logistics around the entire return stack for commerce companies. Mm -hmm. So their customers are, you know, include Everlane and Parachute and other well-known consumer brands who have handed off, happily handed off the responsibility for managing returns and the entire mm -hmm. returns process to Happy Returns. So they're not a consumer-facing business specifically, but they are driving commerce by supporting. Okay, so it's the e-commerce uh, value chain, basically. Exactly. B2B and B2C. Got it. All right. Exactly. And geography? We focus primarily in New York and Los Angeles. We have, which is where, you know, we're, we're split fairly 50-50 between New York and L.A. We've made two outlier investments, one in Seattle, one in the Bay Area. Okay. Let's talk a bit about uh, your companies. So pick whichever ones you think are highlights and, uh, and, and double-click down on them. Tell us what they do, why you chose to invest in them, at what stage did you get involved, and so forth. Absolutely. We invest in, I mean, it's hard for me to say, <laughs> it's very hard for me to, to, to choose uh, favorites. They're, they're all my babies. Um, but I will, I will drill down on a couple that I'm particularly, you know, proud of for specific reasons that I think highlight the relationships that we develop with entrepreneurs. One is a company called Camera IQ. They are an AR, or as they call it, camera media platform. It's a B2B platform for brands, marketers, agencies, publishers who want to leverage AR in more powerfully connecting with their, uh, with their loyal customers or their following or, or whoever it is. Um, so they work with, you know, brands from uh, many of the major professional sports leagues to um, Refinery29 and Neiman Marcus to Turner Broadcasting has used has worked, leveraged the Camera IQ platform to bring camera media and AR executions to life for their customers and for their uh, audiences. The reason I'm especially proud of that one is that I met founder Allison Wood and her co-founder Sonia Sao long before they had raised a penny. And Allison was sort of this voice in the wilderness, you know, singing the praises and talking about the future of AR and how you know, people were spending less and less time in front of all these other screens, you know, movie screens, television screens, even laptop screens, in favor of the screen we all spend the most time staring at, which is our phone. 
and, you know, the camera built into the phone is really, in her eyes, the future of media. Nobody heard her. Nobody believed her. Everyone thought she was crazy. But I, as a former marketer, saw it. I really understood that if she was able to bring this new channel, this new platform to life for marketers, they would go crazy for it because they're always looking for new and more powerful and, and you know, frankly, the most up-to-date, current, exciting ways to connect with their consumers. So that was one that I feel incredibly proud of. Brilliant Ventures was, I think, the first institutional investor to commit to investing in Camera IQ. They ended up being, their investor list now is sort of a, a who's who. Shasta Ventures led it. Homebrew is an investor. No Name and Act One. There's a whole, they have an incredible And what do they do? Uh, it's a B2B platform for marketers, brands, agencies, and publishers to leverage AR. And what is the well, – give me a use case. Yeah, so, you know, one of their customers, one of their early, early customers was FabFitFun, which does a really, really popular subscription box. And they did a, a, a deal with FabFitFun where – their FabFitFun customers could launch the FabFitFun app that ha that had camera IQs technology built into it, and you know hold their camera over their subscription box, bringing each item in the subscription box to life with a full description, mm -hmm. media around it, links for further information, etc. So they were able to t connect their customers not only with the product, the standalone product in the box but more fully connect them to the brand behind that product via AR. Okay. okay. So that's one example. Another example. And when did you get involved? You said you got involved before anybody else because you met this person long back and you resonated with what they were saying. When did you, at what stage did you actually write the check? Well, I actually wrote the check at, in her case, at the pre-seed stage. I invested in her first round. Okay, pre-seed. All right, cool. So this is yeah, one of those exceptions where you did do pre-seed. Well, she actually was a, it, she was a rare exception in a couple of ways where I did do pre-seed, but she actually already had paying customers. So she was able to do a, you know, invest some of her own, do a little bootstrapping and get her first customers. And then, you know, that's when her first, so her, her pre-seed was a number of institutional checks. Okay, so that's not a pre-seed, really. That's a bootstrap company. That's bootstrap first, raise money later. Well, yes, yeah, sort of. I mean, it's it's a, it, it's a, it's a which, by the way, is I think one of the best ways to do businesses. And and we yeah, I we, mean, it is. And and by the way, I I encourage a lot of of founders to strongly consider the possibility if it is an option for them. I also understand that for many, many, many founders, it's not an option, and that's okay, too. In her case, she bootstrapped it for a very brief period of time. I mean, what she was doing was so resonant with people who were looking down the road, people who were seeing the future so quickly that her bootstrapping period was very short. It wasn't like she had been bootstrapping it for five years or something. Um, so, you know, she was sort of six months in at the point. Um, when we when we all came in and, and supported her. So that's one. Another great example is a company, and Camera IQ is based in Los Angeles. They are currently raising their Series A, and we are at the very beginning of hearing exciting things about that company. Another okay. company that we're particularly excited about is on the other side of the spectrum. It's a uh, D2C business called Hot Hijab. 
and they make very stylish uh, scarves for Muslim women who are who observe the practice of hair covering. And uh, founder Melanie Elturk realized that there was, you know, not really a great product solution for those women, and particularly not a Western-style brand around the hair scarf, the hijab. The okay. solution before they came to market were very cheap, um, sort of very, very inexpensive hijabs that you would buy at Muslim sort of festivals and conventions, or women in the U.S. and abroad were buying scarves at places, you know, on the low end like Forever 21 or Zara, um, or on the high end, you know, Gucci and Hermes scarves, none of which were actually designed for this purpose, which had a couple of problems. One was the scarves didn't stay on your head correctly. They weren't designed for that shape and size and purpose, so they would slip and fall off. Or they were the wrong kind of fabric. It's really hot <laughs> to have a scarf covering your hair all day, every day. And a thick silk twill Hermes scarf was just very uncomfortable. So uh -huh. she identified this opportunity to create scarves that were specifically purpose-built for hair covering, purpose-built to be hijabs in stylish and useful prints um, and neutrals and solids and make, created a very Western-style brand around that. So when you visit And is Western this an entrepreneur who comes from that ethnic background? How did she, she zero into she that? Yep, she does. She's an American-born and bred uh, Muslim woman who was uh, a, a lawyer. She was actually a, a, a judicial clerk. Um, and identified this gap. You know, she was not. She did not come from an entrepreneurial background at all, but realized that there was this huge hole in the market because um, it turns out Melanie is an extraordinarily stylish woman herself with a huge Instagram following, um, and she really, I, she really understood the problem herself. But also because she has, she was a very stylish woman who had this following. She knew there were thousands and maybe millions of women who were having the same challenge. She recognized that she could build the brand in the U.S., but that ultimately taking a Western-style brand international and taking it to global markets of Muslim women would be very successful because she understood those markets very well. She had done a lot yeah, of work yeah, in yeah. Dubai mm -hmm. and, and elsewhere. So she, she really had a deeply – she's an American woman, an American Muslim woman who observes – who covers her hair but really understands the whole issue from a global perspective and – um, they just raised their um, their seed round, um, sort of their post seed. It was wildly oversubscribed, and you know she's she is now batting batting away suitors, trying to give her more money. So that that business has uh, done very very well, and, and she's selling a generally a very reasonably price pointed product. The the average hijab they sell is twenty to twenty five dollars. Um, mm -hmm though they have luxury collections, et cetera. Um, and now they're adding to that product line by um, selling underscarves and moving into products for hair that is, you know, your hair is very affected if you wear it and cover it all day, every day. So they really have a huge opportunity to meet the very specific needs from an un previously underserved audience. And that was okay. very attractive to us. Um, so that's another company we love a lot. Um, 
What other trends uh, are you seeing in, in your deal flow? A female founded company in LA, a female founded company in New York. I'd like to talk about one that is, you know, both of those are clearly commerce related. Camera IQ is a B2B software. You're cutting away that is used behind the scenes by marketers and brands to sell more products. Hello? Code Hijab produces a product and sells it by leveraging technology and data and the Internet. So you went quiet, Tara. Um, you went quiet for like 30 seconds. I didn't hear what you said. If you could rewind and replay, that would be great. Oh, no. I'm so sorry. I don't. Can you hear me now successfully? Yes. I can hear you now. Great. Go ahead. So I said I, I talked about a female-founded company in L.A., and a female-founded company in New York. Um, we don't only invest in companies founded by women, but because I'm sitting here in one of the – I'm actually doing this call um, from the site of one of my investments, so I'm going to focus on female-founded businesses today, of which about 65% of our companies have female founders. Okay. The, the company I'm, I'm referring to is The Riveter which is a Seattle-founded, Seattle-based company that with locations in Seattle and Los Angeles and plans to expand around the U.S. The Riveter is a female-forward co-working space and community designed mm -hmm. by women for everyone. So it's this incredible um, new addition onto the scene for women who are starting businesses, running their own businesses, doing creative work, um, you know, running, in, running companies or investment funds. Um, they've got three locations in Seattle. They now have two in Los Angeles, and all of those locations have very quickly not only attracted lots of members who do co-working there, but fantastic events. Um, Jane Fonda has held a couple of events around her work for bringing better wages to restaurant workers at the Riveter recently. Um, I think all of the current sitting female U.S. senators have now spoken at events at the Riveter. Um, so the Riveter has really become this sort of brand and, and sort of point of gravity for intelligent women making powerful things happen. So that's a really exciting an investment we're incredibly proud of. Um, and they are raising their Series A right now, and we'll make exciting announcements about that um, coming forward as well. I invested in that one, even though there wasn't a commerce component at the time of our investment, which was at the seed stage. We recognize that the opportunity to create this incredible community around educated entrepreneurial women was ultimately going to create commerce opportunities that were unparalleled. So it was a forward thinking, looking down the road, not quite as on the nose as our typical commerce-related investments, but seeing the opportunity for its future. Okay. So I guess the question that uh, got lost in the time that we uh, lost the connection was, what are the trends that you're seeing in your deal flow? That's an excellent question. I'm seeing so many deals right now. It's, it's, I'm, I'm having a hard time sifting through them truthfully right now. Um, I guess the trends that I'm seeing are one, ones that we, we alluded to earlier, which is, um, you know, we're seeing a lot of companies who have to be a lot further along in order to get their very first check 
it used to be, you know, the the era of back of the napkin funding is long past for yes. all but the most proven entrepreneurs, right? So that's not not a huge um, insight, but it certainly is true. I mean, the the opportunities that we have to write checks that are quote very early checks, but they're into companies that are already in market doing incredible things. Yes. That's right. Everybody wants companies that are already in revenue these days. It's it's a huge shift even in the last couple of years. Um, the other thing we're seeing is, you know, with the influx of support and resources for, um, you know, women, minority, previously underrepresented founders, there's, especially in L.A., and I feel extraordinarily proud to be part of the L.A. venture and entrepreneurial community where, Diversity really is very celebrated and supported. The city mm -hmm. of Los Angeles just announced its Pledge LA initiative, um, which I'm very honored to have been a part of the creation of in partnership with the Annenberg Foundation and the mayor of Los Angeles' office, where we got a, you know, most of the venture firms in LA and many of the tech companies have signed on to this pledge, which is our commitment to you know, commit to diversity and civic engagement with our companies and our firms. We've looked at what's happened in other markets like San Francisco, where there is now this major schism between the community, the people of San Francisco, and the tech companies. It feels very adversarial. We don't want that here. We want the, the boom of technology in L.A. to benefit all everyone in L.A., not just a very limited few. So I'm very proud to be part of that pledge, and I'm very proud to be part of a market where there are a lot of female investors, there are a lot of female founders, there are a lot of uh, uh, investors of color and founders of color. Um, Arlen Hamilton's Backstage Capital is based here in L.A. She is in the process of raising a $36 million fund that will only invest in black female founders. Um, and then, wow. by the way, Backstage Backstage Capital is actually based at the Riveter. Their offices are at the Riveter, so I love how that comes together. So, um, you know, an incredible focus on, on diversity and something we're very proud of. So you're, the trend that you really want to highlight, it sounds like, is the of female entrepreneurship. Uh, you know, it's, Listen, it, the, the trend is in growing recognition of founders who do not fit the classic patterns that were, you know, that, that VCs sought to match historically, which were, you know, quite frankly, um, you know, white guys who went to Harvard or Stanford. That is changing. That is changing. There are more women and, and, and folks who don't meet that pattern, not just women, um, but, but folks who do not meet that pattern of, of people of privilege who went to very, you know, a very short list of universities who have fed historically the ranks of venture capital as well as entrepreneurship. That's changing, and it's really changing here in L.A. So that's a, that is a huge trend um, that I'm, I'm very happy about. All right. On that note, Kara, thank you for sharing your thoughts. Listeners, thank you for listening. Please uh, come back for more. We will keep bringing you more of these uh, conversations so you can take a peek inside the mind of uh, an experienced investor or an experienced entrepreneur. And uh, meanwhile, do come to the roundtables. 
1mby1m.com, free public roundtables is where you'll find the schedule of our online mentoring sessions. See you soon.